Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. My name is Ashton. And is the camera in a different place than it normally is? Yeah, it absolutely is. But it's focused and it's... It's fine. Okay. We're, we're going to deal with it. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it's cold again. It's it got so cold. Really cold. And um, it only snowed for like 45 minutes this time, and then it hasn't snowed since. I'm a bit mm, sad about it. But the snow froze, and now there's just a thin layer of snow that's been frozen for ages. Mm. I mean, it's mostly gone now, I think, but yeah, it's taken several days. Yeah. Um, it's not ideal. I did almost fall on my ass pretty much the end entire way when it was snowing like mm-hmm. there's a hill going into the office like just kind of outside and i practically slipped the entire way down that and i thought they're just going to watch me just zip past the entrance to the building because <laughs> be i can't, I I can't stop that. yeah would have been good well it's time we talk about video games but first we need to talk about our very real video game adjacent sponsor that mm. brings this podcast to you each and every week it's real we promise uh, peter i think you've got the ad read in front of you there i've got it right here um it's a new game that's coming out uh next week um it's all about so you you play as pat right and uh you have to build build a castle and defend it from your enemies Okay, mm. it's really good, and you've got your enemies are coming. Oh, they're going to steal those letters. They're going to steal those parcels from Pat. That's right, Fort Postman coming uh, in two days' time. Fort Postman. Fort, Fort Postman. Postman. Pat in his castle. Mm-hmm. That's it. Fort Postman. Is Jess there? Jess is there. Yeah. Saying, Am I missing something? I'm trying to work out. Forspoken is oh, the joke. Oh, for God's sake! But it's so far removed. It's I didn't. That didn't even. <laughs> it's like on my the brain. other side of what the football field. What part of it? Did it, did it doesn't sound like forspoken. Or the only thing it's got in common is the word for. Well, and, 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 and at the end, and postman, of course. Yeah, sorry. Sounds uh, just like it. Yeah. My God. Um, <laughs> it's coming on Monday. Fort Postman. Are people um, sort of Getting reacting with with just bemusement at every single announcement mm. that Fort Postman has made? Yeah, just... I think most of them are just saying, "What am I? Am I missing something here?" And then someone else has to say to them, "You know, it's for, you know Fort, Fort Postman, Postman, the game that everyone's really excited." Is it also for. you know getting confused with? Other very popular games, yeah, for, Forsaken. Forsaken. Yeah, um, is that also going yeah. up in sales because they can't find? I think that that is Postman. happening. For context, for those of you who haven't seen that story, apparently the Google like search frequency for words such as Forsaken has gone up a lot recently because people are clearly 
sort of trying to maybe Google that game they sort of remember and haven't been following very much and they can't find it. Mm. Um, it's also so. autocorrect. Or, or to, yeah, autocorrect. Yeah. Forspoken for is yeah. autocorrecting to forsaken. Uh, so that's presenting a bit of an issue. We're going to find out really soon if that game is actually any good. Yeah. Uh, it's been a real tumultuous journey from, wow, that looks great, to, oh my God, everything they're doing it just gets greeted with absolute mm. uh, uh, mockery on the yeah. internet. Like mm -hmm. they, it doesn't seem like they can do anything right, unfortunately. It's a shame. Uh, but we will, of course, be covering it next week in Review Corner. On I'll this be streaming podcast. on Monday as yes. well. Yes, yeah. on, on release day. So tune into Peter's stream on Monday Yeah, uh, for sure. Are we actually sponsored by Four Postmen? No, no, we're not sponsored by Fort Postman. Fort Postman. Yeah, not Four Postman. The Fort is, is the Fort that got me. Because mm. I thought, is there some sort of tower defense game that I'm not aware right. of? I was also, out? as as he was explaining, you know, there's a person called Pat. I was like, what? I was like, the only <laughs> things that are coming out of Forspoken and Dead Space. And I was like, what's that got I did, to do with I got with in this anything? morning and I thought... It should be forespoken probably this mm. week. And I was sitting there thinking, what sounds like forespoken? Postman. And I was Bad. like, postman. <laughs> and I was like, what do I put at the start? For it was going to be for postman. And it was going to be about four postmen. Right. But then okay. I was like, but no, but that then that would be called four postmen, not mm. four Yeah, let's post not be man. silly now. Let's not be silly. Yeah. So it became four postman. It had to be correct and yeah. confusing. Uh, brilliant. Uh, but we are. Sponsored. But we are sponsored. Uh, as we are each and every week by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com uh, where I'm doing your thing here. Yeah, I was just I was just prompting do. to ask if like four post could we actually be sponsored by four postmen instead could we Oh yeah but we are in fact each and every week sponsored by four postmen <laughs> four postmen yeah. if you go to postmen.com forward slash team triple jump uh, and then actually don't go there go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump as little as one dollar per month that's all we ask for and then you can submit questions to this podcast and we have loads of other tiers available as well finally the heating is on in the room it takes a little while to warm up mm -hmm. uh, they're these crappy little flimsy plastic vents that just let air in all the time yeah so mm. it's a cold cold room um, yes, patreon.com. Thank you so much to our <laughs> wonderful patrons. We appreciate you so much. We're not sponsored by four postmen. Uh, but there may be at least four post people, mail carriers, if you will, mm. within the patron community. There could be. There might um, be. If you are Sound off. a post person, let us know in next week's podcast uh, question post. Or a courier, or if or you work courier. at a sorting office. Or if something. you deliver parcels for Amazon, whatever. What is the gender neutral term for a postman? Is it Probably a Probably a post worker. Post Postal worker. Postal, Postal worker. worker. That's mm. it. Yeah. Posty. Posty. A cheese posty. <laughs> uh, Peter, yes. you've got a question. I've got a question from Curious Gregorius here, who says, Hello, you beautiful goobers. There's no need to... That's not. Don't bring my goober identity into it. Um, let's talk opening cinematics. Those intros that pulled you into the world of the game, be it through epic music and a cutscenes montage like Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy VII, or a monologue bringing you up to speed on the world we are entering, like Colony Wars Vengeance and Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver. Mm. What's your favorites? Least favorites? Or misunderstand the question and talk about something tangentially related. It's your show. Love ya. Thanks, Curious Thank Gregorius. Thank you, CG. I didn't bring any ones I didn't like. I couldn't think of any that I specifically I can only like. remember the good ones. They're probably yeah. not memorable enough to even like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's loads of bad ones, I'm sure, but I can't. Balan Wonderworld. 
Wonderland. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was really creepy. Awful. That was really weird. Yeah. That's yeah. where he like tries Opens to pull the child's mouth so he can like Puts climb his inside. In it's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that one. We'll that, say one's that one's pretty bad. Collectively agree that that one. That's a good one. Oh, London Racer has a pretty bad one. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember it. Anymore. No, I mean I only remember it because I reviewed the game. But there's probably a bunch of worse games that have oh, yeah. absolutely yeah. terrible. Yeah, right to hell retribution. Just mm. take your pick, really. Mm. Um, I'll tell you one that actually that I don't think is genuinely one of the worst opening cutscenes. But like when we have these questions, we I think all three of us sometimes do a bit of a Google for a bit of inspiration and go, what cutscenes were there that were good? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the lists that I found said that the best, one of the best openings of all time is Skyrim. Yeah, I saw a lot on those. Um, and some of them, they were like including the whole opening sequence and maybe they're saying, you know, they like running around and the dragon's trying to kill you and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. all very interesting. But some of them were literally just talking about opening cutscenes. And that is, you're finally awake and then you yeah. get put on a chopping block and a dragon turns up. It's not even a cutscene. It's well, it's not a cutscene either. Because you just sat there watching first person the thing. And you can yeah. look around. But even if it was, it's not that good. No. Mm. Um so most uh probably I'm pulling this out of my ass now, but I imagine one of the most downloaded mods is just the ability to skip right to the game yeah. and get started. Because that yeah. bit goes on for flipping ages. Yeah, it does. Um, so I, first off, I'd like to agree with Curious Gregorius, mm. who says um, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, who mentions that one. That is an amazing opening cutscene. So that's a PS1 game where you play as a sort of a vampire. Um, and I had never played previous Legacy of Kane games. Um, but in Soul Reaver, you play as a different character. So Kane is a character you play previously. I think there was... There was at least one game that before it where you play as Kane, maybe two. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, then they introduced this new playable character. And this opening cutscene for the time looks absolutely amazing, like graphically. It's, so it's a, it's an FMV. They've, you know, they've rendered it elsewhere and, and just mashed it together and put it in the game. But uh, I, I remember sitting down and watching that for the first time and just thinking, this is borderline photorealistic. I mean, it's not, but for the time, it was. Mm. Um, and I would love to, even today, I would love to see just like a movie done in that style. It just looks really cool. So that's definitely one. Um, but I brought some for me that I like. Um, an honorable mention to Bioshock, which again, is not, it's not really an opening cutscene, but being in the bathosphere and getting your first view of Rapture, mm. I mm. think is definitely uh, worth a mention. Um, but then, uh, yeah, cool opening cutscenes. I've got Tekken 5, which I really liked, um, which is like a two-part cutscene. It's got the classic kind of roll call one where everyone gets like five seconds of doing some moves on the screen and looking cool. Uh, but before that, there's like a story cutscene as well. And it's basically just two of the uh, the, the Mishima boys, Heihachi and Kazuya, uh, fighting off loads and loads of robots in just a kind of an over-the-top cool way. They're just, they, it, it leads straight off from the previous game. They wake up in this temple where they got beaten up and then all of these robots attack them and they just like smash them up and it's just really cool. And there's like really good music. Um, and uh, on the subject of your kind of your roll call, uh, opening cutscene where it just shows all the characters. Little little personal choice uh, for the Unholy War as well, which I just is still one of my favorite cutscenes of all time. Just got cool music and it just shows all the characters being cool, doing cool things. Um, so yeah, neither of mine were kind of story introductions, but sometimes I just want to sit down 
and just listen to some electric guitar and watch people like beat the crap out of each other, I think. Mm -hmm. So those are mine. We all like that. I'm not going to apologize. I, not to echo Peter, but hi, my name's Ashton and I like Horizon. And um, the the opening cutscene for Horizon Forbidden... Sorry, Ashton. It's okay, Peter, I'm just talking. Um, (laughs) The one for Horizon Zero Dawn is really good because it sets up like the story. You have a baby and Rost is there and you're like, who's this man and this baby? What's happening? You see the robots and you're like, this world looks cool. But I really liked the opening cutscene from Horizon Forbidden West in the sense that it was like, I mean, you play for like an hour beforehand, so it's not quite opening, but you get to a point where it's like, now the game begins proper. And um, you are riding through the lands on your steed and there's like music playing and all these different cuts from like, now we're in a snowy area, now we're in a woody area, now we're in a desert area, just to show like how far she's traveling. I just think it's really good. And then when that's done, you go down this big lift that takes you down into the like playable area and you can actually play at this point. So it's not technically a cutscene. But you just stood there and there's this music playing. And you can just like see out into this area. And it's this really like slow descend into um, the, the like area you can play in. And I just think it's great. I just remember sitting there like, man, this game's great. I'm on board already. Um, but also, I think that the very like the opening cutscene for Deathloop is really good because obviously that game's kind of about figuring out like what is actually going on, like what's happening. And you start off with someone trying to stab you in the neck, like fully over the top of you with a knife because obviously it's all first person. And it's Julian, is it Julie? Juliana? Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews, yeah. <laughs> Juliana? Yeah, Juliana. Um, mm. She's on top of you and she's like, remember, God damn it. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then you die. And then you wake up and it's like, what is happening? What is actually happening? Because he's just like, oh, what a weird dream. Like, crazy, crazy dream. Um, and it gets you kind of into the whole, like, what is actually happening? Like, I don't understand. Um, and also, Jedi Fallen Order opening cutscene's really good with, like, the reveal of Cal's Jedi powers and then um, the second sister first appearing and oh yeah that that's whole... all in a cutscene isn't it yeah i forgot that that was all yeah right at the start yeah they that figure is out that cool, there's actually. a jedi there and cal's got his uh, lightsaber behind his back and it's like oh is he gonna like protect this guy or are we gonna like what's gonna happen um i just think that's a really interesting cutscene i was sat watching it and i was like hmm this is it's quite dark and it's quite like it's gloomy because it's mm. all rainy and horrible but i just think it's a really good cutscene. Mm. So there. So there. It was Juliana. I just wanted to yeah. check. Excellent choices, uh, you guys. I've got Thanks, some ben. more excellent ones as well. And you will all agree that they were all excellent. Uh, Oblivion. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Oblivion because that actually has a cinematic in- intro cutscene and not that Skyrim nonsense. Sweeping drone footage of the... Uh, yes. I've written. The, I've watched it and I've written the, the cliff notes. It opens on the Emperor stood in the dark as the theme begins to swell. He's Sir Patrick Stewart, and we all love his voice. He talks up the threat of the Oblivion Gates, and they are shown. Then, a beautiful sweeping shot of Cyrodiil and the Imperial City. He ends with, these are the final hours of my life, and then the music kicks in properly, Mm. and it's really cool, and it makes all the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And then it finally zooms in on a prison cell window, which is, of course, where you start the game. Great cutscene. Great introduction to the game. Fantastic voice. Mm -hmm. Sir Pat Stew. We like it. Of course, there's the Final Fantasy VII intro. 
uh, which is incredibly iconic. It starts with the spooky music that gave me nightmares as a child uh, in the alley with Aerith as she's tending to some flowers. Mm -hmm. It then zooms up and pans back to reveal the whole of uh, of Midgar. And uh, as, as the music kicks in, again, the music plays a big role in a lot of these, I think, the, mm -hmm. the impact mm -hmm. of these. Um, and it shows the whole of Midgar, and then there's the logo and stuff, and then it starts sort of cutting to Cloud on top of the train that's speeding towards the first bombing mission. And then you're right into the game, and the music kicks in. You start your first battles, and Barrett's like, I hate you, you're a, you're a dick. Come <laughs> come with me, Merc, idiot, mm -hmm. stupid blonde man. And uh, that's a great intro cutscene as well. Finally, I've put uh, Dark Souls 2. Uh, has an opening cinematic. All of the Soulsborne games have cinematics that are definitely not in-engine at all. And I thought Dark Souls 2 was surprisingly affecting. It's all talking about basically how, you know, in riddles about how the world is ending and everything's rubbish and ruined. Uh, this hooded figure is succumbing to the darkness and sees basically what appears to be their family melt in front of them. Mm. And then they st they go to a big spooky lake and stand at this swirling vortex of darkness and just sort of fall forwards into it. And I remember that being a really, really cool cutscene. Got me ready to go for Dark Souls 2 and then it was Dark Souls 2. So, you know, you can't win them all, I suppose. <laughs> but the cutscene was great. I really liked the cutscene. So there, there's there's a few that I liked a lot. I've got. I've had this little little voice in the back of my head saying um, that I just ought to say, I know that the the robots in Tekken are called Jacks. I was just sort of <laughs> trying to speak everyone's language here. Yeah. You're just like, fending off the tweets. Yeah, I am. Like, so it's they're they're fighting off these robots, and I I can just hear people typing right now. Called they're not just robots, Peter, but you know, just M and S. Get that out there. Yeah, yeah they are M and S robots. Mm. Lovely. Should we do a segment we've never even done before? Yeah. It's brand spanking new. It's what we play in time. Oh. It's what we play in time. Time to talk about the games, what we have been playing. Peter, what uh, we what you've been playing? Well, while you guys, presumably, I don't know, were at your lover's lanes and, um, you know, uh, at the disco, i.e. watching the first episode of The Last of Us. Yes. Right. I was studying The Blade, i.e. finishing The Last of Us Part 1. Nice. Um, and wow, you're, you're not wrong, Ben, when you said that replaying that scene, the you know, the scene at the mm. end, certainly hits different when you, having, you know, having played The Last of Us Part 2. Mm -hmm. uh, you're like, man, I'd, do I want to do this? I don't think I want to do this. Not only because... You think about the familial repercussions of what would what will happen to all the people who love and care about these surgeons if I kill them, but also knowing like just the chain of events that it will set off for Ellie and everyone else. Like if, if I do this, the absolute chaos. The ramifications it's cause, yeah, are huge for literally everyone in this room. The, yeah. the ramifications are massive, and many people beyond this room as well. Mm. But of course, you have no choice. So um, yeah, I mean. I, I'm really glad that I played The Last of Us Part 1. I still don't know if it really needed to be made because I think the remastered version has, you know, still stands up now. Um, and uh, I'm just fortunate for, uh, that I borrowed a copy and didn't have to pay for it, which I think... <laughs> as you, did I. Yeah, <laughs> you did as well. Yeah. I, wouldn't want to, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to pay full price for that, um, even though I do think side by side, it does, in a lot of places, look a lot better and play a bit better than the original. The giraffes look better, do they? The giraffes look better. There are haptic giraffes, haptic feedback on your giraffes. Nice. Um, so it it's good. I had a really good time. 
Uh, and as I said, I think last week of the podcast, I think it helps that I've not actually played The Last of Us since I think the first time I played it. I think I've only actually played through it once, um, possibly twice. But if, if I did play it a second time, it probably was pretty soon after I played it the first time anyway. So it's been many years is the point since I played it. So that alone, you know, I got something out of it just going back and replaying the story. But I probably would have got that whole same experience almost if I'd just gone back and played the remastered version. So the remake didn't need to happen, uh, but it was good. So those are my thoughts on it. Um, Also, by the time this podcast goes out, I will have played some Forspoken, but uh, I haven't yet. And also, Mm. I can't talk about having played it until uh, the next episode. So sorry. (laughs) See, catch him on Monday. Mm. Catch me on Monday. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Ashton, what have you been playing? I have been playing a couple of things. Um, I've been playing some more Disney Dreamlight Valley. I now have Woody and Buzz at full level and have completed their quests. And I have Stitch, who I got yesterday into my island, is currently at level eight. Um, and I've already done two, or three of the four quests. So oh, wow. once that's done, I have to wait for the next update to happen because... Um, there's no other characters after How that. How do you level up the characters? Um, by giving them their favorite gifts. Okay. Or you give them like, when they get to level two, you can assign them like a job. So there's like mining, fishing, foraging. And then if you're hanging out with them and you're doing their assigned job, they level up quicker. So if you just basically like, you just say, Stitch, come and hang out with me. And then you just go about and do whatever you need to do. He'll like level up while you're okay. doing it. So is there some busy work that you could be doing before the next update, if you like, if you um, wanted to not stop playing, could you just go and sort of mine? Yeah, I and, could just do busy work yeah. and just kind of like make my island look nice. Mm-hmm. My island doesn't look nice. Like it's not. I, I, my, even when I played Animal Crossing, like my island looks like trash. It's just like stuff everywhere, and I'm like, I'm not an interior designer by any means, and you can tell by the inside of my house and the island. There's just like stuff. There's a couple of quests where Scrooge was like. Go and put like five items down in this area. So I was like, sure. So it's just five random yeah. things just kind of dotted around. What's the maximum level for a character? Ten. Okay, so you oh, you yeah, yeah. stitch real real mm. close. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you have to like get them to a certain point be able to be able to do their like next missions and stuff. Mm. And there's like certain requirements, but I'm really close to just finishing Stitch as well. Okay, nice. just really good at the game. Nice. Um, I've been playing some more Jedi Fallen Order. Um, still enjoying that, and played some Borderlands Three this week. Um, we have we have got some PlayStation Four version trophies for like the DLCs and the um, directors and designers cut that we haven't got. So we are we're working towards doing that while Ben, because he still has to go down south for work. So whenever he's in Leicester. Um, he's got a PlayStation 4 down there and a teeny weeny little telly. <laughs> so um, he plays there and I play on the PlayStation 5 on the PS4 version so we can play that together. But that was fun. We finished off the Krieg's Fuster Cluck um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. DLC. Club, yeah, called, yeah. Um, and that's pretty good. Fine. I forgot how much I enjoyed that game, and I am excited to play it. We're going to play it, the PS5 version again at some point soon. So that's fun. And then also, I went to NQ64 at the weekend. Oh, nice. Um, and I played some Street Fighter and some House of the Dead and some racing game with Ferraris that I can't remember the name of. Um, that one? Maybe. I don't know. Um, it was really, really busy. 
so it's always busy that's the one thing i mean i love nq64s whenever i get the chance to visit them but they are just so packed all the time Mm. i mean it was a saturday night at like 9 p.m so maybe if we went on like a weekday which i think we will do next time but we went out for dinner and then we went to nq64 and it was rammed Mm -hmm. but i still have one coin left because they give you an odd number of coins to get you to come back back. um so yes i did that that was fun as well excellent um, I'd also d- like to take a quick moment just to uh, ask for a moment of silence for Stadia, which was killed this week. Oh uh, Google Stadia has passed away. I did put a note to mention this at the top of the podcast, but I forgot, much like everybody forgot about, about Stadia, Stadia when it was mm. alive. Um, so rip Stadia. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. In fact, I, I don't know if I'm taking anyone's weird news here, but... Uh, Someone who put in 3,000 hours in Red Dead Redemption 2 on Google Stadia is getting sent a, a gift box by, by Rockstar wow. as a thank you for spending so much time. Being They're the only one who played one of the it only on people. Stadia. Yeah, I mean, 3,000 hours is obscene. Yeah. Well, break that. I don't even know how that's possible. But uh, yeah, Google Stadia is, is dead and buried by the time you listen to this. And uh, many different games that offer... I, th- I know Borderlands, Gearbox has been putting uh, out a big social media push to say, hey, just so you know, any any Stadia players, this is your last chance to transfer your save data to another platform. Uh, so hopefully if you were a Stadia player of a lot of these games that, that required that, you've been able to do that in time. But rest in peace, Stadia. Uh, your impact certainly happened. Yeah, no, you didn't. definitely there was were. No impact. There, you definitely it was, were. It was important. it existed. It was a platform that happened and we can all agree upon that. Yeah. RIP Google Stadia. Um I played a few things. The main things I I've been playing I'll be finally able to talk about in review corner in just a second in proper detail, but mm. I've been playing a flip load of Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden which is now available on basically everything. They're finally here. Uh, I've played flipping loads of Persona 3 Portable in the past month or so, and uh, not a huge amount of Persona 4 Golden, but enough to note the changes. And I'll tell you all about it momentarily. Uh, Beyond that, I went over to Editor Kieran's place last weekend and played some Borderlands 2, which is fun. We're slowly making our way through that as and when we hang out. Mm. Um, And the other thing that I forgot to mention that I played quite a lot of over the Christmas break was Garfield Garfield Kart Furious Racing, uh, which is just so bad. It's just not very good. I bought it because it was £2.50 in the sale and I thought it would be funny. I ended up playing more of it than I was anticipating. And it's just kind of crap. Why are you still playing it then? Well, I just can't stop. Just it's there. It. It's just on. It's just it's convenient. It's yeah. just there. And sometimes I boot it up and race around a cup and it's just it doesn't play very well. You know, those opening shots that they do on kart races where the camera pans around the course and shows you. Um, When it was coming up to the finish line at the end of its panning thing, it just went right through the floor (laughs) and just like just panned right into the track itself. So good. It's crap. Uh, But it's apropos that I'm talking about this now because there's a ranked list coming out Mm. or is out now Mm -hmm. uh, where we rank every single Garfield game from worst to best. How did Garfield Kart Furious Racing perform? You'll have to find out. Do you think they called it Furious Racing and it's supposed to be like Furious Racing? Possibly. Fu- maybe. Fur- furious. I don't know. We said or Furious maybe he's in just the list, Furious because Garfield's always Mardi. He just cross. He just hates yeah. Mondays, doesn't he? Which is really Bloody funny. hates them. They're always so racing funny. on Mondays, so he's furious. He hates it. Uh, he hates it. But you'll find out more about that in the 
ranked list. Go and watch it. Go and flip and watch it. And also uh, review corner regarding Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden, which we're going to go to right now. Mm. Oh, and here we are. Hello. Um, So, Ben, you have been playing Mm. two Persona games. Two Persona games. Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden. Yes, that is correct. Tell us about them. I flip and will. We've got a lot of... Oh, can't sit down. I've uh, got a lot of material to get through here, so right. I'll do my best to summarize it. I'm going to focus my discussion on Persona 3 Portable, mm. uh, because I imagine that's one that the most amount of players who jumped into the Persona franchise at Persona 5, certainly, uh, won't have had a chance mm-hmm. to play, seeing as that was locked away on PSP. I have played a little bit of Persona 4 Golden, but I did play that most recently uh, like a couple of years ago on Vita. Uh, so I, I focused my efforts on Persona 3 Portable because I haven't played it for the, for the for the longer time of the two. And of course, there's a lot of shared DNA between them in terms of the kind of stuff you get up to. But here's the basic gist. Persona 3 Portable started life as Persona 3, or Shin Megami yep. Tensei Persona 3. Mm-hmm. Then they released Persona 3 FES, I can't even say it, Persona 3 FES, which was an extended version. Then Persona 3 Portable came out, which added some story music uh, and a female protagonist right. that you can play as, as well. So quite a few additions in there. It's set in Iwatodai City. You're a transfer student at Gekukan High School who's there for one year. That's usually the premise of a Persona game. Is you're, yes. there, you're a transfer student who's there for a, a specific amount of time. The addition of the female protagonist is quite a significant one obviously that i think that's the only persona game that has a female protagonist mm-hmm. and of course if you play as a female protagonist which i decided to do this time having played as a male protagonist before you get different dialogue options you get different oh, romance okay. options there are still some small hiccups where they refer to you as dude right uh but, but you know dude is a gender neutral it is yeah uh, so that, now. that still kind of works the hook of this one is that every hour at midnight there is the dark hour and that's when the shadows come out and the high school turns into a gigantic frightening tower called tartarus which basically serves to function as the game's dungeons that you fight Mm -hmm. your way through Uh, regular people who are caught out in the midnight hour are turned into coffins they're just sort of on the streets and if people succumb to the dark hour, apathy syndrome is what it's called. And they basically turn into almost zombies. They're shuffling around and just non-responsive. And they're not attacking people, but it's a it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. this dark hour. And we've got to stop it. So you and a few other students at your school who live together in the same dorm join C's, that's S-W-E-S, and I didn't make a note of the acronym, but it is ridiculous, uh, which is a school club advised by an adult and made up of students who go into the dark hour, into Tartarus, and are basically trying to fight the shadows and bring an end to the dark hour using your personas. And that's it. That's what the game is about. Okay. I mean, you you mentioned C's and the acronym. I have just learned from you that it's just pronounced F-E-S. I, I had to talk about uh, that game in a list. And oh, yeah. I Googled it. I was like, is this F-E-S? Mm. And uh, loads of people on YouTube are calling it Fez. Oh, well, maybe that's Fez, maybe Fez. that's the street, the street, Possibly, sign, yeah. street way of pronouncing it. Who, who flipping knows? Who knows? Um, so how, how does it compare to, uh, or maybe you want to talk about Persona 4 as well, but how, how does that compare to your original experience so far? Well, the way I experienced it, I was coming off the back of playing Persona 4 Golden on Vita and I fell in love with the game and fell Mm. in love with the franchise as well. Uh, Persona 3 Portable was the only other version that was 
financially realistically available to me because I could play PSP games on my uh, Vita and that was a a Persona 3 Portable was a PSP port Mm. of Persona 3 and I actually played it on the Vita TV which is the little rectangle that basically is running Vita hardware and you can HDMI out into a TV so I was playing this PSP game on on a full 1080p TV, right? And it looked bad, like mm-hmm. scaled up, looked really horrible, which was you know my own doing. Yeah. So it's it's way sharper and way clearer. The UI looks great. Um, the uh, the jazz music is there, as is a series staple. Persona Three was really sort of the start of a lot of what people associate with Persona um, was in there. And while that's great because, hey, look at all the things that came from it, it's not always the best in the franchise as a result because it was the first first game to do it, really. There is a couple of issues that I found. I think the the voice acting and basically all of the dialogue lines sound a little bit tinny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what to what extent they were able to remaster those or, or fiddle with those. But apart from that everything else about the presentation looks great Mm -hmm. my main issue with it though is not due to this version it's due to just persona 3 portable in general which is that it's a really expedited version of an abridged version i should say of the uh, of the original game right because it had to run on a psp yes so your cutscenes, they're gone your dialogue scenes where you've got the the physical not physical but you know little cg friends in the background walking around acting out the scenes they're gone it's Mm -hmm. basically just the character sprites still showing up on screen when they're talking it basically becomes a visual novel at that point and as a result i think a lot of the charm of of the game is lost unfortunately yeah additionally you don't run around any 3d environments apart from when you're going around in the in the dungeon you basically just have a screenshot of the location that you would have been able to run around physically in the original game and you move a cursor around Uh, and interact with the things that you want to interact with so there's obvious reasons why they had to do this for the psp version Mm. and a lot of enhancements were made between persona 3 and persona 3 fes and then persona 3 portable and that's maybe why they've chosen to remaster this version rather than perhaps develop a combined version of all the enhancements of Persona 3 Portable, but with the presentation of Persona 3 FES, yeah. that would have been a more significant undertaking. But in a sense, it's kind of a shame that most people are going to experience Persona 3's story and characters for the first time this way. And it doesn't look like other Persona games. Would you have rather have had Persona 3 FES without the enhancements of um, portable mm. brought onto modern hardware? Would you rather that had been what they got? If, if they decided we're not going to combine the two because that's too much mm. work, but we'll pick one of the two to to, re- to re-release, yeah. uh, what would you prefer, do you think? It's, it's such a challenging thing to choose from because yeah. both have so many drawbacks. I've not played FES, but right. I've heard a lot of things about the challenges that that game presents from from a mechanic standpoint, mm-hmm. particularly in the dungeons, I think. Um, whereas, obviously, you lose so much presentation-wise yeah. with this portable version that's now the only version that's going to be available going forwards. Yeah, it's a shame it's, in a way. It is a shame, but it doesn't change the fact that Persona 3 is a fantastic game. Mm. It's a lot darker than the other Persona games. Obviously, the jazz music and presentation is there. The characters are great. And it's a story that's well worth experiencing. If you're a Persona fan, it's 
I'm going to say that if, if you're a Persona fan, I would recommend Persona 3 Portable right. uh, playing it, certainly. Persona 4 Golden, which I'll get to in a second, absolutely, everyone should play that. That's a great game. Persona 3 Portable, though, I feel like because of its presentation alone, is probably going to be more of a niche for Persona fans only. And, I mean, visual novel fans might actually get a lot out of this game. Yeah. But there is still the element of going through the dungeons and there are there's like 200 floors of tartarus okay and periodically through the game those get unlocked and you can proceed mm. further up but it's a lot of grinding to get through that dungeon even if you're not doing all the optional side stuff uh in terms of the traditional persona experience that's there social links you spend time with people outside yep. of uh school you have some free time where you can decide what you want to do if you if you hang out with friends you level up that social link which then when you fuse personas which are the basically Pokemon in yeah. a very contrived sense uh, that you get to use in battle. You can create new ones by fusing them together in the Velvet Room with the with the eagle with the big nose who's in all of the Persona games. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a load of activities that you can do as well to upgrade your your core stats, you as a person. So there's your, your intelligence and your bravery. And there's another one as well. I've written it down here. Courage, academics, and charm. That's it. There's okay. three in this game. I think there are more in, in the subsequent games. CAC, as it's called. <laughs> yeah. So you upgrade your CAC, and depending on the levels of your respective CAC stats, mm. you can then do different activities and even hang out with different social CAC links. activities. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so some uh, social links may not want to hang out with you unless your charm is at a certain level, right. for example. So there's all these sorts of uh, meta aspects that you've got to... Uh, consider as you go through the game and uh, weave in your free time you know you'll have time on Sundays when there's no school and you'll have time after work uh, after school sorry and then time in the evening as mm -hmm. well to do things and at the same time you're going to school so you'll have exams and school trips and all sorts of stuff so most people know what Persona is by now and you'll go into Persona 3 practically very familiar with all the stuff yeah. that's in there but if you started at Persona 5, just understand that Persona 5, especially Persona 5 Royal, is the most polished version of this format. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to get all of that polish right away. I've been playing Persona 3 Portable for like 50 hours now. I've been right. playing it since New Year's Day hungover. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get very early code for it. Mm. And I, I am having a fantastic time. I really, really like it. But I, again, I do think it's a shame of, about the presentation. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but it's not... I think a lot of people who are coming into it are going to bounce off it, unfortunately. Yeah. Persona 4 Golden. Here we are. Mm -hmm. So there was Persona 4. Then there was Persona 4 Golden on Vita in 2012. A lot of people jumped into the franchise then, as did I. Um, Persona 4 Golden added a new social link, additional se a whole additional season to play through. Uh, there's new story beats, new voice acting, various features, additional personas, outfits and cutscenes, loads of stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Unlike Persona 3 Portable, which was sort of like the best that they could make do on the yeah. PSP. Persona 4 Golden truly is the best version of Persona 4. So Just that, more rather than exactly. pairing some of the stuff back. So the, the, it's great that this is the version that everyone's going to get to play. Mm. Uh, it's set in the sleepy rural town of Inaba. You're a transfer student and you're sent to stay with your uncle and your cousin for the year while your parents are, I think, working abroad or something. Right. The hook of this one is that the, uh, a local TV announcer is found murdered and hanging from like a, a, a lamppost or a, or a TV aerial or something. I think it's a TV aerial. Mm -hmm. And there are various other occurrences that spur your new friends that you've made to investigate the Midnight Channel, 
when the midnight channel turns on, the TV goes all wavy and weird, and they can actually go through it into the TV world right. where they get to use personas. They then bring it upon themselves to rescue potential victims who end up in the TV world, slowly building a team who look to bring the disappearances to an end. Oh. So you sort of become detective people while mm -hmm. also wielding personas. So was it midnight in the persona It's world? always at midnight, yeah. go to bed at 11 and... Just, just try not to worry yeah. about it. Uh, you fight shadows again. Shadows are back. Uh, so there's the, the velvet rooms there again. Loads of activities, social links, and so on and so forth. This one is essentially just the Steam version that released a couple of years ago. And everyone was saying, "Why? where's the console version? Why have you ported it to right. Steam? We want to play it too. Uh, so it's enhanced resolution and just sort of a general tidying up of the visuals. It's a scaled up version of the Vita version, basically. There's, okay. there's yeah. no new extra stuff in there. In fact, that's a lie. Both of them, I believe, have a quick save now as well. Okay. So you can just quick save and it'll kick you to the main menu. It'll create a one-time save that you can just resume from... Uh, from from the from the main menu, which right. is which is very handy and does work pretty well. So there we are. That that's the basic gist of Persona Four. For me personally, while I appreciate Persona 3's darker tone, the music, characters, Inabar, and just the general world of Persona Four Golden are head and shoulders above. And it's not even a fair comparison at this point because, as I said, Persona Four Golden is the full version, yeah, and Persona Three Portable isn't. There will be. Persona 3 loyalists, uh, there are Persona 3 loyalists mm. who who will, uh, to their dying breath, will say it's the better of the two. Yeah. But out of these two versions, for me, there's no comparison. Mm -hmm. I, as I said, I would recommend Persona fans play Persona 3 Portable because it's a great game with a great story. And if you're a fan of the franchise, you will get something out of it. But at the very least, if you're interested in dipping your toes into these two games, Persona 4 Golden Head and shoulders above for me. I think this is this is a must play for anyone who liked Persona Five and, and wants to play these games. So. And uh, worth going back and playing it, even if you are familiar. As you said at the start of the uh, the, the chat, mm. you know Persona Four is perhaps one people are more familiar with yes. over Persona Three, but mm. still worth going back and playing Persona Four for the for the funsies. I would say so. Uh, there's no, you know, you can't play as a female protagonist or mm. anything like that. But you can, you know, unless you're following a guide and maxing out all the social links, you've got different romantic options, different yeah. paths you can go down, different personas you can play with if you want um and uh, you know the trophy list for both yeah. and mm. achievements and so on it's uh it's great i'm so happy that these two games are finally getting released and despite the, the slightly crunchy voice acting uh which i don't think clearly they could do much about yeah. persona 3 portable and the fact that it's persona 3 portable full stop yeah which isn't their fault um i can't really find fault with these games i think it's it's fantastic and they're not overly expensive either mm -hmm. so i would recommend people give this a go if you're into your persona games for sure lovely well thanks ben you're you're very welcome also i should just quickly say a big thank you to sega for giving us yes. the codes for these games early and also it's available on pretty much everything it's out on switch xbox i think on xbox is part of game pass as well all right yeah. uh playstation 4 and uh steam for persona 3 portable persona 4 golden is already on there as yeah. I said. so right. there we are that's it finally finally got to the end <sighs> well done Back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. Let's go. Oh. Well, wasn't that fun? Yes. It's time for question two now. Comes from Rip. Comes from Richard Group. Um, hello, boys and/or girls. I finally got around to watching Raising Kratos, and it got me thinking of how games as an audience have gamers as an audience have matured, for lack of a better term, in what they uh, what they expect from a game's narrative. What are some games that you think best meet these new expectations? There are, of course, the obvious ones. Maybe you can think of some lesser-known titles as well. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. 
so I did try to kind of think outside the box a little bit because my mind immediately goes to various sort of third-person linear or semi-linear action-adventure games. There are a bunch of them now that have all, you know, tackled this sort of thing really well. Mm. Interesting relationships and, you know, I'm not just a, a big beefy action hero. I'm not just talking about Kratos, but, you know, you could say that about someone like Joel from The Last of Us mm. or Nathan Drake. You know, I'm not, I'm not just someone from like a pulp uh like magazine or something from the from the 50s i'm actually i have feelings now but uh something that i think is um definitely uh works better today partly due to just technology and presentation but also because people have these different expectations is just generally the walking sim um i think that you know those games are Essentially, in in a lot of ways, they're they're just all narrative and characters and relationships. And yeah, okay, you you have a world to walk around in, and some of them are very beautiful. And there's there's definitely a, a visual aspect to it. Um, and you could argue that, in a way, games that are all narrative have existed almost as long as gaming itself, because you've had like text based adventure games since like the eighties or or whatever. Um, so it, in that sense, yeah, the fact that there's a, a compelling story with interesting characters, that's probably been around as long as gaming has. But uh, I think there's something special and different about a walking sim, so called, uh, when you, I don't know, I think there are there are moments that you have in these games where you just see like an item that's been left quite deliberately in a in a location or uh just the the way that a room has been designed you know you might go and you you just find like the cigarette still smoking in the ashtray <laughs> or like the environmental uh, story yeah exactly environmental storytelling is definitely the phrase i was looking for there scrabbling for um <laughs> Yeah, I think environmental storytelling, uh, that is a, a different kind of maturity in a way. I mean, it's, it's in a way, it's a bit tenuous, but I think it's mature in comparison to the stereotypical view that people maybe had of, of gamers and what gamers are into, uh, even just like 10 years ago. You know, it's just, it's first person shooters and it's blood and gore. That's That's what gamers do. Or if not, it's because they're children and they're playing platformers or something but now we have these things where it is about relationships and you know love and loss and uh and you do have subtlety like environmental storytelling where you can wander around a world that is designed uh to only have perhaps you in it as a character you might not encounter a single other person but by reading notes or listening to audio tapes uh, or encountering these little environmental cues um, there's something a lot more mature and in a way a bit more highbrow uh, compared to what we used to get a decade ago or two decades ago in gaming. So, um, yeah, it's an outside-the-box answer. If but. you play them, you can you can feel like you're superior, basically. Yeah, absolutely. To everyone else. Big yeah. brain. Uh, that's why I play them, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Just to make myself feel big, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> the highest horse. Mm. Indeed. The ivoriest tower. <laughs> Uh, Ashton. I have a few, um, but I forgot about the whole lesser known ones thing. So I was just thinking while Peter was talking. Um, but I did actually think Edith Finch was a good one. What mm. remains of Edith Finch is a good like example of a walking sim. And um, I think actually the more recent Tomb Raider trilogy mm. are a lot more 
fleshed out and I'd say mature than the original Tomb Raider games. Obviously, there's no dinosaurs, which is a shame because, you know, mature people like dinosaurs too. Yeah. But um, there's a lot more depth in Lara Croft. There's like a really good example of, I would say, female rage in one of the Lara Croft um, games where like everything's gone wrong. Everyone that she cares about in this situation has either been her or she thinks that her best friend is dead. And she just comes out of this water and she's just like, just murks everyone. Like she just goes straight into it and just starts like, killing anyone that she can see and i just think that like just think it's a good game and i think that that it's a real depth of lara croft that like you haven't seen before um i do just think like nowadays people just want more and not everyone like you say there's still people who just were quite happy with let's run into situation and shoot person and it's done or both or both some people want both yeah exactly um but I do think that there's like a certain kind of genre of gamer who are like really interested in all like the audio files and like the pieces of paper you paper you find. Obviously not us playing the Callisto Protocol because we've not read or listened to a single one of the audio files. No. Um, but that's okay. We just want to fight the weird monsters and that's mm-hmm. fine. But there's definitely an influence from games to kind of flesh out their universe and their story with additional things that gamers can either choose to or to not read. The first time I played the Horizon game, I didn't read anything. The second time I played it, I read every single thing I picked up um, and listened to everything I found because I was so much more intrigued by it. Um, So I do think there's definitely games, like, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, I would say is quite a mature game. Not that it wasn't when it first came out, but I definitely think that it's, it kind of was maybe a bit ahead of its time in the story that it was giving us. And I haven't played the whole thing. I've only played the first part of the remake, but um, I think that's quite a good example of how it has always been there, but it's definitely more prevalent now, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think games have always attempted to build their characters by giving them something that they've lost or something they're fighting for, mm. because otherwise, how can you care? about those characters. Some games certainly managed to, it's it's subjective of course, but some some games managed to pull those, uh, those attempts off better than others, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think even though someone may have felt connected to a character that objectively perhaps had a journey that didn't feel particularly earned, it still appealed to that person. So mm-hmm. there have been levels of success throughout the entirety of games existing, but it really is. I think you could pinpoint a number of pivotal games that changed it, like Bioshock, like mm-hmm. The Last of Us, whatever you want to choose. Uh, but certainly, certainly now it feels most narratively driven games. At least it, it is. It is more of a focus now than it ever has been, for sure. For for characters to have a dark past, or what if? What if the God of War had diabetes and the struggle of of Kratos as he manages his insulin levels and stuff like that, just to ground these heroes a little mm-hmm. bit to make them feel a bit more relatable to people who have experienced those situations themselves? Uh, so I've I've picked a few here that I think generally have more mature adult themes uh, from from across. I think the earliest one probably that I've put down here is Bioshock, so sort of two thousand and seven. Uh, but The Walking Dead Season 1, Bioshock, Gone Home, Hellblade, 
What mm. Remains of Edith Finch, Disco Elysium, Near Automata, Kentucky Route Zero, and Valiant Hearts uh, were a few that I picked out that that make you feel things and explore adult themes and battle with uh, with various concepts and ethical dilemmas and philosophical uh, thrusts, etc. And there's tons more games beside that, as we've all said. There's uh, most games now 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 at least attempt to do that stuff, and to an extent, games always have. But I think there are certainly some that stand head and shoulders above others, even if, as Richard said, some of them are quite obvious. And also, everybody should go and watch that um, Raising Kratos documentary. It's on YouTube, and it follows the production of the first, the 2018 God of War game. And it's really interesting. Um, even if you're not that interested in God of War or Kratos, it's a real insight into game development and how games change as they go, mm -hmm. as, the, as, they, as they progress, and behind the scenes at E3 when that was alive. Uh, so... Hey, it's, it's a great documentary. It's not great. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. It's not dead. It's not dead it's yet. back this year. Maybe. We'll see. Potentially. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, lots of options if you want to experience that stuff. Mm. Wow. Time for something a bit strange, a little bit peculiar. Ooh. It's time for weird news. Weird news. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Remember, if you want to submit some weird video game news to us, check out our Facebook and our Twitter feeds where we ask for weird news early in the week. And you can submit your weird news right there, and you might get a shout-out right here. However, if you want to guarantee a shout out, you need to go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, support us at a certain tier and uh, be named a podcast producer. And this week's podcast producers are Nathan, G.Y. Goliath, Nexus Polaris, Duncan Wilson, Nicole Hansen, Ellie Nicholas, Erica Hutchinson, Maldi Elbonet, Katie Garrett, and Gabrielle Philippine. Thank you, podcast Thank you, podcast producers. producers. Thank you so much. Uh, Peter, what's your weird news? My weird news was sent to us via Twitter from Johnny Mac at Johnny Mac 13. Um, 
Nintendo Life. Random! It's from nintendolife.com. And the uh, headline is, Random, Pet Fish reveals credit card details during Pokemon Violet live stream. Oh, no. Subheading, that fish. How'd that fish do that? Well, you'll find out. That fish deserves a schooling. Boo. Get it? Do you get it? I don't actually. I'm booing it because I I fear the unknown. Uh, I don't understand this. Because it's it's a group of fish is called a school. No, I don't think that's it at all. Yeah. Because it needs to be told off quite clearly. Yeah. A group of fish is called a murder of fish. Mm. Um, Pets can do silly things. They eat newspapers, (laughs) tear up fabric, and make us laugh. There's three things that pets do. So silly. But one famous fish has accidentally revealed its owner's credit card details during a Pokemon Violet live stream. Automaton Media reports that the fish found its way onto the eShop and did a number of things, including changing the user nickname and adding funds to the owner's wallet. Okay, this one needs some context, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, Ashton, I give it to you. Uh, Mute Kimaru Channel is a Japanese YouTuber whose most well-known live stream series is called Fish Play Pokemon. Mm. On these streams, you guessed it, some pet fish actually manages <coughs> some pet fish actually manages to play through the entire Pokemon games. The channel has played through Pokemon Crystal, Leaf Green, and Sapphire, among many others, with twenty thousand hours of playtime under their belt. This school of fish is incredibly impressive. But, but how do they play? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Mute Kimaru has created a program and circuit board that uses motion tracking. The board has a sheet of paper and various button inputs on it, and it's placed behind the fish tank. When the fish swims by the button, the circuit board picks up the movement and the inputs uh, and inputs the relevant movement. Some people are like so clever and then they just do things like make their fish play Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Think Go for it. But it just do. cracks That's me up. Enough. On the 15th of January, while playing Pokemon Violet on stream, the game crashed and the fish found themselves going into the Switch's menu and then the eShop. It's a journey to say the least, it says with dot 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 once on the eShop the fish manages to browse a few games such as Minecraft and Minecraft Legends but not before popping into the wallet page and adding 500 yen to Muti Kamaru's account which is where the credit card details were on show exclamation mark usually they they blur those out don't they you think it would be starred yeah star them starred out look we know we said we didn't like fish Pokemon the other day that's if you read every wow. article on Nintendo Fish Life. Haters, Nintendo the Life. Nintendo Life cinematic universe is filled with lore. Yeah, but this proves that real fish are way more interesting. We wouldn't be happy if our pet fish revealed our credit card details online. But you know, at least it's a unique skill. The fish weren't quite done there, though. As a last hurrah, they created a brand new icon for Mutikimaru using platinum points via the reward system. The icon... A simple little Nintendo Switch Sports golf character. I mean, again, they're just sort of filling at this point. It, I was hoping that would say the icon of fish. You that know, it's like be yeah. coincidentally, but no. Um, so anyway, is there a, is a picture of like the fish playing uh, the game? I've seen somewhere a picture of the. fish. Do we know the fish's That's name? That's the thumbnail of the. <laughs> of the cool. thing. It's a good fish. It's a good fish. Uh, I don't know if we know the fish's name. Apparently, there's a whole school of fish. Um, oh. 
Or don't sorry, murderer fish. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't understand. Did you guys know that if it's a group of ducks, it's called a herd of ducks? That's great. Yeah, I like that. We looked it out the other day because we were talking about it, and we were like, "What's it called? A group of ducks? A herd?" I thought it was a, a raft of ducks, or is that like otters or something? I think it's a raft of uh, otters. Alexa said it was a herd. Yeah, no, I think it's otters. Actually, it could be a murder. A as raft well. of otters. Mm. Cute. Yeah. I have some news. Mm. It was sent by Jonathan Wong on Facebook and at I underscore am underscore Slagacus on Twitter. Slagacus. Slagacus. Um, okay. It comes from Kotaku, written by Kenneth Shepard. Kind of a sick name. The official Pokemon TikTok accidentally let Pikachu say flip. Oh, no. Oh. Most flip. of us have only heard Pikachu, the lovable mascot of the all-ages multimedia franchise, Pokemon, say his name when he speaks through the anime. Or say, because it's because Although there win. was that one time he spoke real human words to his trainer, Ash Ketchum, in the uh, Pokemon I Choose You movie, and when Ryan Reynolds gave him a new English-speaking voice in Detective mm, Pikachu. Yeah. But most of the time, all he ever says is a variation of his name. Well, today, he got to say, Mother Flippin, in an officially published TikTok from the Japanese branch of the Pokemon Company. You heard it here, folks. Pikachu is a potty mouth just like the rest of us. The video has since been deleted from the Japanese Pokemon TikTok account, um, but was set to an audio by user Andy Arthur Smith, in which he sings an embellished version of If You're Happy and You Know It, the new lyrics to the children's song oh, as yeah. performed by Smith go a little something like this. If you're flipping happy and you mother flipping know it, clap your mother flipping hands. Um, as a Japanese branch account, it, it stands to reason that people running it might might not be native English speakers and didn't know how explicit the nature of the song was until it was pointed out to them. Um, and that and that once it was, the video was promptly removed from the account. However, no delete button can stop the internet, which never forgets. So Pikachu sings, if you're flipping happy and your mother flipping know it, clap your mother flipping hands. It's really, it's like... official marketing material. You must have heard this sound, yeah, you heard yeah, the sound yeah. before. It's properly just... But it's not even that, they like, just say it. they've just done, like, if you're happy and you know it, and they're, like, Pikachu's just dancing. Like, Pikachu, like, claps... Well, this is the... I won't play it out loud. I'll just show you the video. But, like, Pikachu, um, like, claps in time with the song because he does, like a few claps and then there's a skip and then oh, right wow. at the end he claps again like in time with the music so it wasn't even that they just like made another video and just put that over the top like they wow. dead ass just picked that um, thing um, all jokes aside isn't the first time Pikachu has cussed in an official capacity in the Detective Mi Pikachu movie the electric mouse said hell and damn in the voice of oh, Ryan Reynolds whoa. sure on a list ranking the severity of different profanity these are much lower on the list but perhaps when we when we heard Pikachu saying his name he has always been swearing at people he could well have been he could well have been wow yeah how weird how crazy what a weird news eh? that is a weird news I've got some weird news from uh, this came from Dragon Cog Interactive on Twitter, uh, and it's Kotaku. Uh, this is written by CC Zhang, and the headline is RIP Programmer Euthanizes His $1,000 AI VTuber Waifu. Oh, wow. wow. You need some Did context for this one the... as well. So, Switzerland? No. <laughs> he just uninstalled her, <laughs> she is gone. Uh, Bryce HackDaddy8000 is an intern who works at one of the major Silicon Valley tech companies. He also makes TikToks of his programming antics. So, oh, 
the adverts have loaded in, such as programming his 3D printer to play first-person shooter games. He recently created a viral girlfriend, virtual, sorry, girlfriend, <laughs> out, it did go viral, virtual girlfriend out of two major AI programs, ChatGPT and Stable Diffusion 2. The former allows the program to respond to human-prompted questions, and the latter generates custom images as part of the response. He also used Microsoft Azure's text-to-speech program to help ChatGPT P.T. Chan speak with different emotional responses. <laughs> the creator told Vice that he wanted to improve the roleplay aspect of interacting with the AI girlfriend, so he used popular VTube, VTuber Maury Calio, Calliope 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 as a personality base and then added lore to its knowledge base. Chat GPT Chan is also capable or was also capable of identifying objects by using the camera that Bryce attached to its physical monitor. He used this functionality to gift her a pair of Air Jordans for Christmas, which makes her very happy. Would you like to see? Of course I would. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely I would. These are definitely going. These are definitely going right, right on, on my, my feet. feet. I love you so much. Is what uh, something GPT, GPT Chan, Chan. Chat Chan. GPT Chan says in the techno is is the technology kind of unsettling? Yes. Does the concept remind me of a Black Mirror episode? Also, yes. But Chat GPT Chan responds with such convincing exuberance. I find myself emphasizing with its creator. Great. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I'd probably talk to her every day, too. Bryce used the AI to practice to practice Chinese, and he even spent $1,000 on improving her response speed. Unfortunately, this story ends tragically. Chat, G chat oh, it's CPT Chan now. Oh. Pick a lane. Uh, responses became shorter and simpler over time, and Bryce's real girlfriend became concerned for his health. Oh, no. Kotaku reached out to oh, ask no. if he spent more time with the program compared to his other digital hobbies, but did not receive a response by the time of publication. He deleted, He's in mourning. He deleted the program sometime between the holidays and this week. Oh... I don't know if he euthanized. Like, don't. Why would they use euthanize? Not. Well, it did have inverted commas. Oh. Normally, I'd like to make a video pointing out the absurdity of euthanizing my AI, but that doesn't feel right to me anymore. The creator told Vice, "It feels inappropriate, like making fun of a recently deceased person." Oh God! Yeah, he sounds like he got a bit yeah. too into it. Sounds like it, it was a bit funny at first, but then uh... then he he fell in love. Yeah. Um, it's weird because like if if I was in some magical like a, a sort of a fantasy or a sci-fi movie and like an actual real human person got trapped inside a TV screen, mm. I feel like I could maybe emotionally bond still with that person knowing that they're actually a human being. They're just trapped behind some glass. But that voice just saying thank you thank these you these are going right on my feet like i love you so much like yes it can it can respond to it, like objects and it he's like got that stuff that makes it like do an emotional voice but like i would ultimately just hear like the fans running in the background <laughs> and especially just think, if you created it yourself yeah, like, yeah. If you just if you knew how it worked it would the magic would be ruined i mm. thought the whole thing was a joke but it sounded like he did think i need to turn this off because it, uh, it's getting a bit kind of strange his physical human girlfriend was concerned yeah as well, which is um but i feel like i i'd like to think i wouldn't fall into the trap of 
getting actually attached to what is literally just a circuit board. Well, it if you can send like... us in a, a, a waifu that Peter can try to we'll bond do an experiment. with, we'll do an experiment. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, it could also be like the amount of time you've put on. It's like if you make a big, like, if you make a game and you program a game, and then you're like, well, this is taking up too much of my time. Time to delete it. I suppose it's like one thing about how much yeah. effort and a thousand pounds he's put in, but mm. yeah. Mm. Bit weird. You play God, you have to deal with the consequences, you know? It's true. When will you learn? learn? (laughs) It's time for question three. Question three comes from Chris Law, who says, Hey, everyone, with things like escort missions and water levels being generally hated, why do developers still add these to games? Keep up the fantastic work. Claw. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Claw. Thanks, Chris. Um, I mean... I think they're less common now than they once were, but certainly water levels still exist. Ice levels where you're slipping around still Mm -hmm. exist. Uh, Escort missions still exist. Um, And I think partly it's just because uh, game designers seek some kind of variety in their level designs and they think, oh, we could do an escort mission. You know, it's it's sort of in the bag of tricks. You know, they Mm -hmm. kind of stick their hand in and pull out maybe an underwater one where you have to like raise and lower the water levels just because it sort of exists already because it's a a trope or a you know a, a kind of a well a stereotype in a way really that like a game should have that um i think the temptation is just there and as i say i think they're less common now and so i i, I do think there is an element of we know that people don't like these or we know that these typically don't work very well um but it probably depends on perhaps the caliber of the developer or at least maybe the budget or the time constraints. And if they've got the time to both come up with and then subsequently develop a more interesting level, mm. perhaps they would do. But uh, in other cases, they might think, oh, we could just quickly like throw together an escort mission where as long as there's some AI where the character's going to follow you, then you just play through it the normal way. And, you know, it's... It's an attempt to add interest and variety, uh, even though it often doesn't work. So um, I guess it, it's a toss up between like whether they want to listen to like negative feedback and like consider that and apply it to their game versus, yeah, but we could just do an escort mission. And it'll be fine. You know, it's it's just like, um, yeah, I think it comes down to the individual developer, really, as to whether they're going to like how much that affects it, really, how much the neg- negative feedback affects that sort of thing mm. i also think it's a general understanding of how these kind of levels work like you haven't got to explain the mechanics of an escort mission because mm. people just know how it's going to work you have to walk slowly because you walk too fast they're going to get annoyed and they're going to get lost and they have to start again or a water level we understand how that kind of thing works i think water levels are less common now than in an escort mission because a lot of kind of big games don't tend to have that like jump from level to level like desert level and now we're in water level Mm, and now we're in ice level but there is obviously still big water sections in game like in games like horizon has a the second one has a big water level or water area that's kind of central to the story so there's all kinds of like introduction to these mechanics and i think that i kind of think that every developer thinks that oh well mine will be different like we'll well, mine will be better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, but it's a water level. But yeah, but it, mine's different. It's not the same as like the other water levels. Like mine, you know, it's a big open space and there's things to explore. 
you are still swimming, but hey, it's you have fun, I promise. But we're different. We're special. Well, and escort missions as well. Like yeah. they they're not in in a sense, like the principle isn't that bad. It's just that all AI seems to be rubbish. When you're mm. when you're having to move them around, they're rubbish. And I suppose every developer thinks, oh well, we'll just make it so that the AI yeah, is will be all yeah. right. I also think that some especially escort missions tend to kind of be relatively important to the story like mm. they don't tend to just kind of be tossed in for the fun of it normally if you're doing an escort mission apart from in things like borderlands or a couple of other similar games are like just take this guy over there because it's because it's fun isn't it it's a fun game but like certain kind of story linear driven games are definitely more integral to the story that you do these escort missions and those ones aren't normally too bad because sometimes the person you're escorting might be able to help you out in combat or stuff. But I do hate it when you're in a situation where you're escorting something that can also help you fight and you don't want to get in a fight, so you're hiding behind the thing. And then they're like, hey, time to fight. And they just start going in and then they know where you are. That always bothers me. Hmm. Or if you get seen by someone, but you hide to know that they'll go away and the AI is like, we're in a fight now, time to fight. And it's always like, no, stop. Um, but I just think it's a fam familiarity, familiarity, and I also think that um, normally escort missions are kind of important to the story and help move the story along. So I don't mind an escort mission. Just don't make it too long because I'll get annoyed, and I'll just hate the person I'm escorting by the end of it. I'm almost yeah. there. My answer is basically a combination of both of your answers, really. Um, Get your own thoughts, Ben. I, can't, I had my own thoughts. I just haven't, I haven't had a chance to express them yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a toss-up between adding some variety to the gameplay, not really caring about what the reception might be. I mean, obviously, they'll care about what the reception will be, but also not thinking that the, the reward is worth the risk yeah. and thinking that... Well, mine is going to be one of the good ones. Mm. My water level, my escort quest is going to be one of the good ones. And they can be done well. The Can you imagine if Ellie in The Last of Us 1 uh, could be detected by enemies? Mm. How how quickly would that completely ruin the entire so I was going to say, like, some modern escort missions, if you can call them that, or, or just, like, AI companions don't um raise the alarm at all and like you'll do some stuff in uncharted like comes to mind particularly where you can be hiding in the grass mm. and like <laughs> sully will just be like wandering around like walking <laughs> right up to enemies yeah um and they just don't care which is good it's mm. a good thing it, it looks silly but i'd rather that that would happen absolutely mm. they, they are getting better it's it's not very often now that you do get an escort mission a straight up escort mission that's well, full stop and let alone one that's really bad and the same with water levels too and I think both of those when they are featured and not done very well is usually you're not looking in your AAA space at those not being very good mm -hmm. you're you're largely getting those in your sort of more you're either indie projects that are that are aiming to be throwbacks to classic platformers and yeah. action games and or, or perhaps you know like sort of the the double A region the, the focus home not yeah focus home published region of 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 games where things are great but they're a little clunky in places and they include those gameplay mechanics because 
I don't want to generalize and say that their their design philosophies are kind of stuck in the PS2 era, but mm. there's certainly a lot of influence in those games. And maybe they don't have the the funds necessarily or the the budget to 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 pull them off to quite the extent that mm. that AAA games tend to do nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you just don't really see them all that much. And when you do see them, you d you're not often left thinking, oh my God, escort missions are the worst because they're just kind of done a lot better now yeah. than they used to be. Uh, I just so think they, really they don't get brought up bad. as much at the moment because they're normally like segments of a much larger game and it's just not, people like don't necessarily always point it out. Mm -hmm. Like I know sometimes they'll be like, there's a really annoying escort mission right in the middle of the game it might come up, but it's not something that you normally kind of take away mm -hmm. from a game is that like, oh, there was a... 20 minute escort mission that was really annoying it's kind of like well the, the other 20 hours were fine so all the rules have changed and it's not that you have to keep that person alive or something yeah. they might just either be invincible or at worst they just go down and then you're on your own for a yeah. bit and they might well have their own attacks they're not just some helpless damsel but mm. like you said ashton like sometimes the story just necessitates it you're the you're the hero you go from location a to location b you meet character C and then if you're gonna continue the game and the story, that character's gonna to have to be with you. You can't just then like play through all the levels and they're not with you and then when the cutscene plays they are. So mm -hmm. like they're gonna to have to be there with you. So um sometimes there's no way around it other than hopefully making them sort of invincible and not adding like fail states to yeah to their well being. Yeah, those that's that's frustrating. Mm. Uh, we've come a long way for sure. <clears throat> I'm getting emotional thinking Don't about it. Don't cry, Ben. It's okay. I think you know what? I think I actually will cry. Okay. Just, just, hey, let just it out. Fun. I will, but not not for you. You don't get to see that later. I'll cry later off camera. We'll just blur over your face. Yeah. So no yes. one can see. You can just hear Ben just sobbing. Just auto-tune my sobbing to Weeping. something really enjoyable. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's time to move on to something that's rather large. It's called the big discussion. Mm. It's big discussion time, time for the big video game discussion. This week it comes courtesy of Stephen Donovan, who says, Hi Ben, Ashton and Peter, long-time listener, first-time question submitter. With The Last of Us... With The Last of Us adapted into a TV series and other video game IPs being adapted for TV and film, full stop, what video games do you feel should be off limits? I think games like Dark Souls, Celeste, and Disco Elysium would never work as their mechanics are strongly tied to player agency. But what about others? Even ones that you may feel that you feel may work, but you hope that that they are never adapted. Let me try that again. Mm. Even ones that you feel may work, but you hope that they are never adapted. Hmm. Mm. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Mm. Um, my answer, well, at least one of my answers, two of my answers, I think, are um, games that I'm not saying they should never be adapted because I'm precious about them and I'm trying to keep them safe. I'm saying they shouldn't be adapted because I think they will be rubbish. Um, and uh, one of them isn't for me even as a game. Fortnite, right? The temptation oh, has got to be there. Make a TV yeah. show. Well, so there were headlines movie. some years ago saying that Disney Plus were going to make a Fortnite TV show and they didn't. But Fortnite, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have any like actual characters that you just do you not just make got, your own they've got a there's few there's a story kind is of is there there's like every okay. season there's kind of been like something's happening like because the map changes well yeah and, and there like are sort of the world, like, apoc like apocalyptic, apocalyptic events, events and stuff and yeah stuff. but they, I, they do have some original characters but they're, they're okay. not like I don't know if they're much like we talked about at the start of the podcast, they don't have motivations or, yeah. no. or agency or They're not goals. like Overwatch characters. They're just they're skins. Like, well, basically. so Overwatch, for example, in contrast, although being a, 
a similar game to a certain extent and having similar like a similar fan base and popularity Overwatch would probably work really well. well as I'm a, a big fan of their like animated, like yeah, short character things. I think those are really good. I don't really play the game, no. but I think that those are really well done. Well, it's like TF2 did those various little sort of character based mm. cutscenes and shorts and stuff, and they would work pretty well, I think, as a little animated, you know, character focused uh, thing. But Fortnite, as far as I'm aware, wouldn't work well. I mean, it shows that some of it's down to ignorance because I didn't know there was a story or actual characters at all. And evidently there is. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the fact that I've not absorbed that even just through being in the games industry, whereas with Overwatch, I have done, mm. despite not having played much Overwatch. Um, yeah, I think Fortnite would be a terrible idea, even though the temptation will be there. Um with various, like Disney Plus, I think, were, were saying that they were interested at one point. Um, I don't think Portal should be adapted because, for one thing, you've got a mute protagonist. Um, and gameplay-wise, you know, that that story is based entirely around gameplay, especially the first game. Mm. And the second one has a bit more to it. But um, really, if you go back and play through Portal 1, it's just Test Chambers and yeah. it's just GLaDOS. Portal 2 has, you know, you go like behind the scenes and you've got, Wheatley and there's more interest there and Cave Johnson so that could maybe work you know perhaps you could do a sort of prequel aperture science thing um, but I certainly think the story of the two Portal games would make pretty bad um, uh, TV shows um, and then also I think GTA I, I can so see Grand Theft Auto being turned into a TV show or a film and they basically just use the brand name but then it's just a bunch of random criminal characters maybe in liberty city that was might be what they call it but it i don't think it would be like attached at all really other than by brand name mm. and i think that would just feel like a bit of a cash in mm. um you know i'd be maybe a bit more interested if they picked some specific characters from the games like uh you know the the gta 5 gang uh, or previous characters there's some pretty interesting ones in in like other games nico and stuff that might work better but Knowing the way that they would almost certainly take it if they did adapt it into a TV show, I'm saying that that, that shouldn't happen. You know, if they were to do it, they should uh, do it with recognizable and interesting characters, personally, I think. Ashton? I have a few, one of which I think kind of would lend itself quite well to a TV show, but I think would lose a lot of its charm, um, being Life is Strange. Mm -hmm. I think that obviously, you know, it is already in episodes and has its kind of own condensed little stories but I just think it would lose some of its charm because a lot of it is you know how you make decisions and what things you say and obviously you can you can just be like Max says the wrong thing reverses time now she says the right thing but that kind of takes a lot of that like shock out of some of the bits that happen in it on a similar vein things that I just think wouldn't work because the player's agency is the important part of the game is um, dark pictures games. You could never make mm. those into TV shows because, I mean, you could take like the story of it and make it into a TV show, but... It wouldn't be it dark wouldn't pictures. It would be dark pictures. It would be a horror It would just be a, yeah, a horror yeah, show yeah. because the whole point is that you make these decisions and the story goes like in different ways and it changes every time you play it because you're making different choices and stuff. So they wouldn't work. And also I think the Outer Worlds wouldn't work as a TV show because you, again, make decisions and affect things in certain ways that make the outcome of the entire game totally different. Like you can 
you know, rebel against the main point in the game and the game like ends so much earlier on than it does if you just don't make that decision. Um, and also the fact that you can do like the final boss, you can either fight or just like talk to them or avoid it completely. You kind of lose that sense of choice. You could turn the story again into a game, into a, a TV show or whatever, but I just don't think that it would translate into the game because the mechanic the main point of the game isn't there like the person isn't making a decision so those kind of games i think just wouldn't work because mm, yeah. your player agency is just completely gone i think that's there. partly what i think with gta as well like yeah. i'm sure you could do it just just a good criminal drama there are plenty of good ones out there mm. and call it gta but it's to do with like having that sense of I've got this sandbox to play in and I can go and cause chaos. Mm. That doesn't translate if it's just some characters who aren't you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I'm honestly open to pretty much any game being adapted to a TV show or film. Like, because I have no hope of them ever being any good. But The if, Last of Us was pretty good, though. The first episode was pretty good. Yes, it was. Um, if it's Because ultimately, if it's a good tv show regardless of whether or not i'm interested in the game i'll probably watch it mm. and if it's a game that i'm interested in already i'll give it a go so it's just sort of you know there's there's the stakes are low for for us the viewing public yeah uh, we can just not watch them for sure and there's as i was trying to come up with ones that i think have sort of have sort of a bit sacred that i wouldn't necessarily want to see bastardized for want of a better term uh i actually realized just just take your shot yeah just make it mm. see if it's any good because fallout's getting a tv show and that could be rubbish or it could be great and you make a lot of decisions in that game and can affect the outcome and and stuff like that um we now have the technology on streaming services like, like netflix to do choose your own tv mm. show so a dark pictures game could work although then you're, you're entering the territory of what ultimately it's then it's the difference the same between, yeah. <laughs> between the game and the TV show. Um, but I agree with you, Peter. I put GTA Saints Row, any crime sandbox is just going to be potentially a really stupid action movie mm. that that has nothing to do with, with the games unless they base it heavily on a plot. But then you're going to be going from these really... The experience of GTA and Saints Row is so unique in that you go from, not so much with Saints Row, but certainly with GTA, you go from oftentimes quite serious cutscenes and story moments to walking into the street and getting hit by a taxi and then having to get up. It's basically the, the Ryan Reynolds film, was it Free Guy? Yeah. That's that's oh, yeah. basically what a GTA film or TV show would have to be unless it was a really grounded, gritty, episodic TV show. And then it's probably going to turn off most of the fans of gta anyway so yeah. it's not really going to be what they want mm. um they're making a gran turismo movie mm. and if they can make a gran turismo movie no sports game is off limits they could make a fifa movie yeah. quite easily about a rookie footballer who rises up through the ranks and have loads of cameos it'd be terrible it'd be really self-flagellating i would imagine is that the right term i don't know i don't think that's right masturbatory is, the... masturbatory is yeah. what i want yeah so yes it is what i want uh and <laughs> and so fifa already did like a documentary sort of film about themselves didn't they about the mm. founding of fifa and it was like oh aren't we amazing and all the critics panned it it would be like that and if fifa are going to do it you don't flip in the likes of wwe are going to do the same thing where you have yeah. some sort of weird 
TV series. Again, it might be interactive where you're a rookie and you have to make decisions about, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of games that, that could be adapted into movies that, are, that genuinely wouldn't work. But for the, for the most part, get, hey, give it a go. If it's got a story, or even if it hasn't, as is the case of Gran Turismo, why not? Do whatever you want, because mm. the Last of Us TV show is excellent, but obviously that is adapting an already excellent story. Uh, so not everyone, not every franchise has that behind them. Uh, but, you know, do it. Give it a go. I'll I agree. watch it. I agree that games that do have a lot of agency don't, that in itself isn't a reason not to to make a TV series. So, for example, uh, Dark Pictures, I think that is tied so so much to the fact that it's like built around, oh, this is a choose-your-own-adventure story. Whereas, so I don't think that would work. But whereas I think Fallout, I agree, could work because although, again, that's an RPG and they sell it quite heavily on creating your own character, it's also, it's just got... A, a really interesting world and mm-hmm. a setting and same with Elder Scrolls so I think those games and Fable even could work pretty well um, because at least it's got that world to to carry it whereas Dark Pictures changes every time mm-hmm. characters are always different the only thing that remains the same is uh, Dr. Anal uh, and yes. his um, and, and some of the cast yeah. as well you see the same faces um, but yeah I, uh, I was going to say something else as well but I've forgotten it now but um, yeah I, I think Oh yeah, I think I was going to say I agree with you, Ben, in that like I can't think of any that were too sacred. Like mm. anything where I went through all like my favorite like franchises and games in my head, and I'm sure that like a, a Crash Bandicoot uh, animated TV show could be rubbish, and they were going to make one, and there's like bits of test footage out there, and it could be really good, but like. I'd rather they just had a go, you know, mm-hmm. and just did it. So I couldn't think of any that were too sacred. No, me neither. Yeah. Make it. Throw it all at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. I want Uber Bowl de- directed trash heaps mm. for the rest of time. Has anyone watched Please. the Halo TV show? No. 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 Does anybody know anyone who's My watched My dad the Halo watched TV it. Show? Really? He liked it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Is he a he Halo fan? No. He oh, didn't know okay. it was based on a video game. Mm. He said, oh, we've been watching a new show this week. I said, what? It's called Hello. It's called Hello. <laughs> Hello. It's called Halo. And I was I'd like, have, oh. um, I would have watched it if it had been just an, an adaptation of the first game. I think that's mm. got a great story uh, and a great setting, great characters. Is it characters, just a, a completely different story? Yeah, I think it's set before it, but also it like, I think it actually deviates from... He takes his helmet off and he yeah. like has romantic relationships and stuff, which yeah. isn't very oh. nice. Although I think it's set before, it it deviate it does stuff that I think like breaks law that's ahead of it, like sort of like right. retcon yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think. I but I've not seen it, but I've I've seen complaints about it. So it's a shame. Mm. It's a shame. But the Last of Us TV show, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Ashton and I have watched it. Peter, I think you're waiting until I'm gonna it's wait till it's all out and then watch it in, you know, over a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Very It's really annoying because that means we can't talk about it. <laughs> well, we can just not. Well, we can, but we have to talk about it privately, so not to spoil it for Peter in case something happens. Yeah, how, yeah, how I mean, selfish of you! I've got, got an idea of what's going to happen. In it. There's probably well, I mean, maybe there will be. I've something. got a vague idea of the story <laughs> of the last. No, but I mean, up to the, I don't know, obviously, what, how far up they're going through the story, but you mm-hmm. know, I, yeah, up until whatever point they choose, I'll, I've got a rough idea of what's going to be happening. No, um, it's it's. Good. It's really good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's been a long time since I've like probably since House of the Dragon that I've sat down and just like watched a 
a drama. Mm. And it's, it's good stuff. It's good. I like it a lot. Do you know how many episodes there are of the series? No, probably 10. Yeah. yeah. Around there, I'd have thought. I mean, well, actually, it's HBO. So actually, it might I think be it's like... nine episodes. I think I read, maybe. Okay. There we are. Well, one of those ones. You can hold on for nine two, weeks. Two months. You're joking. That's how long it takes to have a baby, Peter. Yeah, it is. exactly. Yeah. So, um, if you're a hamster, get your head out of your ass, Austin. Join us in the 21st to 21st century. Yeah. Yes. Join I don't, us in that I, I don't have to keep waiting week on week for a new episode. I say that, but I'll watch like and the Star Wars shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good though, and everyone should uh, should watch it. It also yeah, means I can great. pay for if I pay for Sky, I can just pay for it for like a month and watch. Yeah, it I'll get a free month. trial. Mm. I'll get a free. Yeah, exactly. Get and, a free trial uh, and just binge it and then get out of there. Exactly. That's, that's how this I'm works. Have to pay for it for like. Two months straight. I just use my dad's. Yeah. Go log into Sky so I can watch my video game. Watch Halo. Yeah. <laughs> watch Hello. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody, slash watching. We really appreciate all of you. Stick around to the end of the plugs here uh, so we can tell you what's coming out this week. Peter, what's uh, what's the place where people can go on the internet, please? Team Triple Jump everywhere. YouTube.com and Twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump for all our videos and our live streams. We stream on YouTube as well as Twitch. And when we're streaming on YouTube as well as Twitch, we are modded by Lord Brotovich, Trialing Badger, and Mr. Black. Um, if you've got Amazon Prime, part of that bundle that you're already paying for includes a free Twitch sub. So spend that on us if you would like to, please. Oh. Twitter.com and Facebook.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. You can go there for video and live stream, video and live stream announcements, legacy video content, highlights of the week from the streams, bits of news, all kinds of things, all posted by Fraser and does sometimes. Um, thank you, Fraser, for looking after those tiktok.com forward slash at team triple jump ashton is posting tiktoks there i've been in one of them recently mm -hmm. and maybe more um and patreon i haven't snuck one of you you've not been in another no, one. any no, other ones without your consent no i mean maybe there will be more soon oh there isn't the there is a couple more on there no. okay uh, and patreon.com forward slash team triple jump there are loads of different tiers with loads of different rewards available so head over there and uh, have a look you'll be able to ask questions on this podcast for one thing yes tell us if you're a postal worker mm. yes probably four of you um, we have a website triple j dot mup triple j u dot mp spells jump it's very clever if you want to join our discord go to triple j dot mup forward slash discord chat with our wonderful community on discord we're modded by jack joe tory and Holloways. and if you say to do something Bloody well do it, all right? Don't answer back. Just do it. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast in its audio forms, go to triplejet.mup forward slash podcast. If you want to check out one of our live stream VODs, if you missed one during the week, go to triplejet.mup forward slash VODs. If you want to book a cameo from any of us or James Jenkins, you. you go to triplejet.mup forward slash cameo. And if you want to buy some sick and cool merch like this, like this... Like the black version of this. of this, go to triplejumpshop.com and make sure you're tagging at triplejumpshop in your post when you get your uh, uh, merch through and tag us too. And make sure you're following at triplejumpshop on Twitter for the latest merch announcements. Absolutely. Why not follow Peter and Ashton on Twitter, Instagram? And uh, do you want me to keep plugging your hive? Are you using the hive? I haven't reinstalled on my new phone yet. So, Peter, are you using your hive? Uh, no, it keeps breaking. <laughs> Okay. I've been trying to use it. but We no. can follow them on Hive as well uh, at that Peter Austin and that Scrambled Ashton and myself just on Twitter at Confused underscore Dude. We do lists every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thursday being the joint stream. Blaze it. On YouTube, uh, the other days being solo streams on Twitch. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. We do the podcast every Saturday and there's shows all the bloody time. Come check them out. We'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Why not leave a five-star review on your platform of choice? 
It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms, and it really does help, and it's free to, to do. And also, it's free to listen. So please go and leave us a five-star review. Thank you so Thanks. much. Out this week... It is the final work of the prolific Philip J. Reed. Uh, unfortunately, we have sadly reached that point where this will be the final piece of work that Philip uh, uh, worked on for us, uh, mm -hmm. released on the channel. That is, of course, uh, we've hinted at it a couple of times on Twitter about it being quite a, uh, an amusing final send-off for mm -hmm. Philip because he really detested uh, Garfield and uh, playing the Garfield games but he has ranked every single Garfield video game from worst to best that's available on the channel right now go and watch it and uh, share it around mm -hmm. as well we'd Please really do, appreciate yeah. it it's also worst games ever week it is um, it's oh, what was it Nickelodeon, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Attack of the Twonkies. Yes. yes which isn't um, a slur, even no, though it sounds, sounds like one. one. Yeah. Um, so that was available on Saturday, uh, on Friday, yesterday, if you're uh, listening to uh, the podcast soon after it goes out. Um, and available on Patreon on Friday. And it's available. Uh, available. Will I get to the end you're of this sentence? You're doing such a good job. Come on. Available for everyone else tomorrow. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, if you're listening you're, on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Also, I believe, is there a job listing still live currently? Yes, um, there is. It. I think, actually, it might end on Sunday. Um, ah. the, what's the date on Sunday? Yes, I believe that is correct. The 22nd. The 22nd or 3rd. 22nd okay. is Sunday. 22nd. If you'd like to apply to be one of our freelance video editors, go to triplejur.mup. Uh, mm. It's probably forward slash careers, but mm -hmm. if you scroll down, a little button. Yeah. says yeah. careers and you'll see the job listing there so quick hurry and if you've been kicking your heels about applying or you're halfway through your application get it sent get in it done. or it might be too late yeah. uh, please don't send anything after the Sunday the job listing may not be taken down immediately but it does close on Sunday so please don't send anything after that time and give us a couple of days to look through all of the applicants before we get back to yes. you because we will have I'm sure people will be Desperate to hear on Monday, and mm. we might not get back to you on Monday, but we will. Yes. We message everyone with a yes or a no, so you will hear something. You will. You will. Unless you're a chancer who sends a stupid email, yeah. at which point you don't get a response. <laughs> and it does happen. And also make sure you're sending it to the right email address. I don't know why this is so bloody hard, but we were, we had two. Uh, we had someone reply in the Twitter thread with their portfolio. That always yeah. happens because people just search with keywords and mm -hmm. they don't know anything about the job. But then someone sent a full application to the completely wrong email address. Please just check. Double just, check. Just it says it all in the listing. So go do that. Not a great first impression. That's don't what I'm saying. Don't want to make Ben Mardi. It's not a fantastic first impression that you sent it to the wrong email address. Okay? <laughs> so come on, guys. Get it together. For you clarity on what the chances are, the chances are probably not. They're not you because you're listening to the podcast right now. A chancer is someone who sends us a template email and they say, I've not done the uh, the sample. I, this, here's just my portfolio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone who's just, yeah. Or, or we have had people in the past apply and just say, I think I'd be really good. Because, yeah. And also, I can't really be asked to move to Newcastle so maybe, you have to for this maybe job, I could but... do it remotely. You know, just people who aren't yeah. taking this. You, know, you get all sorts. You're, you're doing great, though, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just sure. just read the bloody ad. That's all we're asking. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. There's just enough time to hear from the sponsor one more time this week. Yes. Um, it's You play as Pat in your blue suit, your red van, your black and white cat, and you're in a great big castle. That's right. It's Fort Postman. <laughs> and there's three more of you, and then you are four postmen. Yes. Maybe. We'll yeah. find out next week. Coming on Monday. 
Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Look after yourselves. Bye. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.